0: Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the Preaching Ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Joshua chapter number three in verse number one is going to be the context that we're going to start out And I want to read verse number four with you as a way of starting out And then we're going to get into what I believe this passage is seeking to teach us Joshua chapter three in verse number four The bible says this yet there shall be a space between you and it It being the ark of the covenant of god about two thousand cubits by measure come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go for ye have not passed this way here to four today we start a new series of lessons that will continue for the next four weeks and we're entitling it phase two and the concept is this that there are seasons in life where god will bring us through a particular portion or section of life And it's there and it's important, it's necessary, but God wants us to move past that section into what we're going to refer to as phase two. Up here on the platform, I have a section of our blueprints for this building these are about 30 plus years old, and it shows the construction of this platform, the auditorium, and the baptismal. I remember whenever we had this building just being started as just a little kid, as about 12, 13 years old, we would run through here. When there was just concrete, each one of these brown beams was, um, was an, a steel beam, and I remember when they connected them all together up here in the center, and we came in that Uh, afternoon and we just walked around after all the construction workers had left and we were walking around and they had these little slugs that are about the size of a nickel and my brothers and sisters and I we went around picking them up hoping that somebody would take them for currency and we were gathering those together and I remember and I'm so thankful that there's a good foundation on this church aren't you and I'm glad that those those beams are made out of steel and not um Uh, glass or uh, plastic, aren't you? Because there's, there's phases to life, and there's building in life, and sometimes God takes us through a phase, but that phase is finished, and he wants us to move into a new area of life, and that's what Joshua chapter 3 is. Joshua chapter 3 is the transitioning from the people of Israel, God's chosen people, who had for generations identified themselves as slaves, as wanderers as people who were vagabonds without a home no place to go no nothing to do their identity had been lost and god in joshua chapter 3 is changing who they are moving them and their identity into the land of promise now this has always been the goal god had a plan for his people from 1446 bc whenever uh, moses First stood up in front of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. It was always God's plan to bring them into this land of promise, the promised land. But for 40 plus years, they have just wandered around and wandered around and wandered around. In part because of the consequences of their own making. And the time of God's inhabiting the land was now full. So in Joshua chapter 3, we see phase 2 starting. And that's where i want to challenge you because in verse number four we see this phrase and i I want to just emphasize it again the bible says that ye may know the way which ye must go for ye have not passed through this way heretofore i want to challenge you today that in 2024 there's a new phase of life that god wants you to adopt that there's a new identity that god wants you to live in rather than the circumstances of the past, the failures, the issues, the sin, the difficulties, the bankruptcies, the divorce, the broken relationships, the failures as a parent, the failures as an employee, all of those, but to adopt a new identity in what we'll refer to as phase number two. In order to adopt that identity, we have to see how Joshua does this and the children of Israel do. If you'll remember, as the pastor spoke last week, They're on the precipice of going into the promised land. They've sent spies in, and at Rahab's house, they found out that there is fear amongst all of the inhabitants of Canaan, that God's people, the children of Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, were going to bring them in and give victory over their land. So in chapter number three, the entrance into the land begins. Phase two of God's plan is about to commence. Do you have your Bibles? Look at verse number one. The Bible says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim. And they came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the hosts. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from this place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way which ye must go, for ye have not passed on this way therefore, heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I think it's interesting, in phase number one, excuse me, in phase number two, we see a transition happen. And the first transition is that God moves from a person to a people. If you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the name of Moses is used almost a thousand times, over and over and over and over again. Moses did this, and Moses commanded, and the Lord spoke to Moses, and Moses gave forth this, and the Lord said, over and over and over and over again. Over 250 times alone in the book of Exodus is the name of Moses used. But in this transition, God is switching the attention from a person to a people. Now, I don't know how you came to know Christ as your Savior. In fact, I'm interested. Do you know Christ as your Savior today? If you do, say yes. Yes. Okay, so in your life, if you said yes, somebody spoke truth into your life. It may have been a parent, it may have been a pastor, it may have been a co-worker who invited you, but there was somebody that was instrumental in your life, sharing the work of God in your life. But God does not desire you to just always be a disciple of that one person. God doesn't want you to necessarily be a superhero for the cause of Jesus Christ, I love this because God desires to use people. Moses was this bigger-than-life personality, almost superhero-like status. you got to remember that he went into Pharaoh, and he says with his rod, his snake rod. Why is it called a snake rod? Because it could turn into a snake, for crying out loud. And that could throw that rod on the ground, it turn into a hissing cobra, put its fangs rod in you, and then he could pick it up by the tail and it would turn into a snake right again. And that snake, he could put his hand into his coat, pull it out. It was leprosy. Ah, put it back in, healed. Wow. And then he had 10 plagues. He turned water into blood. Do you remember this? And then he brought the floods. Uh, he, brought the, uh, he brought the frogs in and the lice and the murrain. I don't even know what murrain is, but I don't want it. And Moses brought that in. He made the sun go dark and hell fell down. And then the Bible tells us that everyone who did not observe the Passover would have their firstborn taken. Oh, Moses was almost superhuman. God said that would be the case. In fact, he said, I will make thee a god unto Pharaoh. And Moses fulfilled his position. But Joshua is not Moses. And Joshua was never intended to be Moses. Joshua was intended to be Joshua. And in phase number two, God's going to use a person who was a slave, not a prince. God's going to use somebody who would speak with God face to face, not just somebody who desired it. And he would bring him into a promised land where Moses never even saw or set foot in the promised land. Wow. God's going to use Joshua. Now, not only is he going to use Joshua, but God's desiring to use a group of people. In fact, he'll use a multitude of Jews. We read five verses, but I just want to point out some specific things about those five verses. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, and they removed from Shittim. In verse number one, again, it says, and all the children of Israel. In verse number two, the Bible says, the officers went through the host. There's another plurality. The Bible says in verse three, and they commanded the people. Another plurality. In verse number four, you, the plural form, or the singular plural, you there, uh, for uh, verse number five, for the people in verse number five again, you, multiple times, over and over and over again, God is not talking about one person doing something for God. He's talking about multiple people doing something for God. It's no longer Moses-centric. We don't have any water. What will you do, Moses? It's time for you to grow up It's time for you to start leading. It's time for you to adopt the identity of victor and independent and relationship with God, not just somebody who knows Moses. Can I ask you this? Have you grown in that phase with your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God, or are you just dependent upon what somebody else tells you? Have you grown in your relationship with God to where God's using you and you're not waiting for instructions from somebody else to help navigate you through this life? In phase two, Of the children of Israel, it's no longer wait till what Moses says. You see a lead, you see a charge, you see an incorporation of cooperation amongst a number of different people, and over and over and over and over again, God's using this great multitude, not just a man. Number three, this multitude moves past uh, just following Moses, but the Bible tells us this, they come to a missional juncture. Look what the scripture says in verse number Four. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits, the it being the ark of the covenant. By measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. There's a missional juncture that's about to happen. God shares with Joshua, Joshua. This is the mission, I need to share it with the people. The people go around, and this is the first part of the mission. They're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is a, uh, we'll talk about that in a moment, but the Ark of the Covenant is a a piece of furniture that God would show his power upon. And it's going to rest about 2,000 feet or so from where the children of Israel are. This tool that God has used is the demonstration of God's power to his people. God, Jesus, has not come to this earth, so he's allowed this box, if you will, to be the manifestation of God's physical presence. Some people would refer to this as the Shekinah glory would rest upon the Ark of the Covenant. And so in this place, God says, set it 2,000 feet abroad. Now, for our context, if today we were to look northwest, there's a a chevron about 1,000, 2,000 meters from here. And imagine if we made a camp all about that chevron and in the middle of that chevron is the shekinah glory of god the ark of the covenant here god is saying you can follow me your work can go forward now there's three parts to this missional juncture when you come to a place of phase two and god brings you to a relational spot he brings you to a job position. He brings place in your life where you're trying to decide, should I or shouldn't I? Do I go forward? Do I not go forward? God brings us to this place, and that's exactly where the children of Israel are. They have been here before. They have stood on the precipice of going into the promised land in the past, and they neglected it, and they walked away. But on this day, God brings them to a new sense of victory, a new sense of opportunity, and he gives them three qualifications that are necessary for it. Look what the Bible says in verse number four. He says that ye must go, for ye have not passed this way before. In order to move into phase two of your life, there has to be an acceptance for adventure. You have to be willing to try something new. You have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time with young people and college students. And I've heard this phrase, and maybe you'll know this phrase too. I've heard this phrase multiple times from young people. I've heard young people say, "Uh, what's your major? What do you want to do? Oh, I want to, and they fill in the blank their job. I say, oh, great. Why do you want to do that? And I've heard people say this, and you've probably heard it as well. Oh, Pastor Matt, well, when I get a job, when I get married, I don't want to have, I don't want to be rich, okay, but I don't want to be poor, and I've heard this phrase dozens of times, I just want to be, do you know what the next word is? Wow. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to be put out of my comfort zone. If I want to go to the Olive Garden and take a tour of Italy, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> I just want to be comfortable. I don't want a leer jet. I don't want to be like, you know, dripping with wealth and opulence. I don't want to be, sil- I just want to be comfortable. Now, check this out. In order to move to phase two, you're going to get uncomfortable. You just are. Or you will settle for the status quo of phase one. We'll just wait for Moses to tell us to do something. Moses is dead. And so guess what's going to happen to your life if you're waiting for the superhero to tell you what to do? You will stay stagnant until you are dead as well. See, the only option is to move forward but so often we get so comfortable with where we are that we don't move forward. Take your Bibles and go back to chapter one of the same book, Joshua chapter one. Notice how God implores Joshua with this same truth. Look at verse number six. Be strong and of a good courage. Look at verse number seven. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Look at verse number nine. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage it's as if god took away the safety net of moses and says now you're flying solo off the trapeze are you gonna trust me to catch you or not well that's really uncomfortable well the safety net of moses was there for a long time he's gone be strong and of a good courage i'll catch you be strong and of a good courage I'll catch you be strong and of a good courage. Have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage And yet the children of israel are at this missional juncture. Are they going to go forward or are they? Yeah, we'll just wonder for another 40 years When god starts to move in your life, he will jostle things and it becomes uncomfortable And it puts you in a place where I just don't know if I like this anymore. By the way All of us are in a place where we know not what is next. It doesn't matter. You could be 17 years old in here, and you might think you've got your whole life planned, but you don't know what tomorrow will come. You don't know what news is going to wreck your family with. You don't know what celebration is going to envelope you this next week. You don't know. There's people in here who are looking at being empty nesters. What's that look like? There are people here, uh, I saw the tires little baby came into church. I think it's the first time that here. I saw Monica holding her sweet little baby. They don't know what they're doing. They've got a one-month-old. Now, are they ready? Are they prepared? Are they able to parent that baby? Sure they are. You want to know why? Because God gave them that baby. But they don't know what they're doing. They're like all of us. First time we got a baby. I remember the first time they put Ashlyn in the backseat of our car. And they they wheeled Brianna out in a wheelchair, and and they helped buckle the baby in. And then the nice nurses said, (laughs) And I remember thinking, could one of you come with us? On the way to the hospital, I was going 95 miles per hour. Leaving the hospital, I was going 17. (laughs) Peak speed. Why? Because I didn't. I got this little thing in the back seat. And, and, and this was weird too. My wife wasn't sitting with me anymore. She was in the back seat. I felt like I was driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> it's scary because we don't know what's going on next. You don't know what's going on next. You have no clue what. So your only option is to be bold and courageous and trust God. I will take you. I'm going to take you to a place that you don't know about. How are you going to do that? Trust me. So you have to be strong. You have to be courageous. You have to be willing to do something that's difficult, hard, and you've never done it before. That's okay. At this missional juncture, I'm going to take you. Notice what he says in verse number five. He says this, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. The word sanctify means clean yourself. Judge yourself get right with God you and God you just get real for a minute Have you ever heard somebody say foolish? Only God judges me Well, you're dumb You do not want God to judge you You know what the Bible says judge yourself You get real with God You get open with God you get transparent you get can I use the Bible word? Sanctified with God you get clean before God Can I ask you, are you clean before God? Is there something between you and the Lord? Is there jealousy and angry spirit, bitterness, gossip? Is there some type of lust that's going on in your life where you're just not clean with God? God wants you to be clean with Him. Oh God, I'm accepting the adventure. You know what the first adventure is? Get clean with God. God will always clean you up. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then he says, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've never done anything that God can't forgive. In fact, he's desirous of giving you his cleansing power. Would you be clean before God? I found this, that whenever I get clean before God, God oftentimes will direct me to be clean with others. That's a little bit more difficult. Because when I come to God, <laughs> when I come to God, John, God's like, oh, good, I'm glad you're here. We're good now. But when I go to others, sometimes, you ever had somebody hold it over your head? How many of you have ever had somebody hold it over your head? Raise your hand. A lot of married people in here. <laughs> well, I remember what you did. That was 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you really meant it when you said, I'm sorry. (laughs) We hold things. And I've noticed this, that whenever God and I are getting real with each other, oftentimes God and I will have to go and make an apology to somebody else. When I was a senior in college, I played football. It was flag football, but it sounds better to say football. And in our murals, they're like fraternities. We call them collegians. We would play football, and I was, I was the cornerback, for those of you who are not as well versed at men. I played defense, and then um, our linebacker, his name was Dave Catlin. Dave Catlin was a big dude. Dave was going into the Marines, and everyone knew that Dave was going into the Marines. And I missed my assignment. The guy who I was covering blew right by me and scored a touchdown. And I was a senior Bible major, ready to graduate with a degree to tell people theology. I was the president of all of the ministerial class. I was a son to Dave and Anna Tice. Okay, those are some serious credentials. And as I was walking off of the football field with Dave, I said something that was completely inappropriate. And I used language I should have never used. And I was walking off the field, and I said that, and Dave was with me, and he just kind of did his thing, and we played the game. I was reading through the Scripture, and I was going through a season where I I really wanted to see God work in my life. And I said, God, is there anybody that I'm not right with? And I was about 33 years old, so it was about 11, 10 years later. And God said, remember when you said that to Dave Catlin? In my heart. Like, yeah, that was like 10 years ago, Lord. God, he's, obviously that's not a big deal. And for a week, the Lord and I wrestled with my stupid language before Dave Catlin. And at the end of the week, I'm like, fine, I don't care. I'll find, I'll find Dave Catlin. I called mutual friends, and I finally got in touch with Dave, who was now living in Tampa. And after talking with Dave for a few moments, I found out that he was a captain in the Marine Corps and had just finished uh, a tour of duty from kicking down doors in Fallujah. I mean, this is a dude's dude. And I said, he said, Matt, why did you call? Not, not that I'm mad. I'm just like, just calling me out of the blue. I said, Dave, and I rehearsed the situation. We came off the field, and I said that, and it was so inappropriate, and I just wanted to ask you to forgive me. And he said, you know, I thought about that every night when I was in Fallujah, No, he didn't say that at all. (laughs) He said, Matt, I've been a Marine for 10 years. That compares nothing to what I've heard over the last 10 years. I don't even remember that you said that. And I said, oh, thanks, Dave. I just wanted to, I said, I know it's weird and I'm sorry and forgive me. He said, No, it's good. I appreciate it means a lot to me that you would call and we, we connected for a few more moments. And I hung up the phone call. And at first Satan whispered into my ear, Well, that was stupid. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit of God said to me, Way to go. Because it's more important to be right with God than esteemed amongst men. Are you pure? Are you clean before God? is there a phone call you need to make? Is there somebody that you need to get in touch with? Are you clean? See, at this missional juncture where phase two is about to overtake and overwhelm these people, you have to be willing to do something different. Let's go on this adventure, and you have to be willing to get clean. And then this is what's beautiful. You get clean, and then look what the Bible says. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. You ever sent a text and you thought you're in the middle of the conversation and the text comes back and it's just the bubbles? And it's just bubbles? Isn't that the worst? It's like, well, say it. Maybe you make a joke or maybe you're being sarcastic or snarky. Like, ha ha, JK, BFF. (laughs) And those bubbles come back. This is so beautiful. God tells them, I want you to wait. Take a little season of waiting. Tomorrow we're going to see, it's not immediate, take a moment to wait. I love that because God knows right when we're ready to receive what we need. He knows it, And sometimes in our hurried pace and our, I'm ready to do this, Lord. Let's go kick down doors. I'm clean. Let's go. And sometimes God just says, okay, now sit. Because look, it's not you that's doing it. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders. What? Among you. It's the Lord who does stuff. It's not you. You know, God doesn't need me. He did pretty good creating flamingos without me. Never asked my opinion about a Siberian tiger. Never once wondered what my opinion would be of an elephant or a giraffe. He does pretty good work without me. It's just my privilege to be part of what God is doing. And so when I understand that I can wait on God and say, okay, God, show me what you can do. At this missional juncture, we're moving from phase one. We're moving to phase two, where we're no longer going to be slaves. We're no longer going to be wanderers. We are going to be victorious. We are going to be farmers. We're going to be ranchers. We're going to build a kingdom together under the star of the kingdom of Almighty God. What an amazing thing's going to happen. But before you do, you're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to get clean and wait on God's work. Notice number two, the part of the plan. The Bible says in verse number six, and Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when ye are come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, ye shall stand still in jordan this has always been part of the plan the plan was not to wonder the plan was not to just be slaves god desires for you to move into phase two as owners victors leaders god desires for that so we're going to use this first and foremost we're going to use the ark of the covenant now this is beautiful because when the children of israel left and they walked through the red sea they had no infrastructure They had no resources. They had no heritage. They were slaves living in Egypt for generations. But now God has started to give them tools. And the first tool to demonstrate his power was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you might remember the Ark of the Covenant from the documentary that Harrison Ford portrayed back in the early 80s about the Ark of the Covenant, okay? The Ark of the Covenant was a real tool of God that was used by God. This is an artist's rendering of what it looked like. But that tool that God would hold was a manifestation and a demonstration of the power of God. Between those four wings of the cherubs that would adorn the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory of God would rest. And when that Shekinah glory would move, the children of Israel would move. And when it stopped, the children of Israel would stop. And it would go forth from them into battle. God says in phase number two, Moses, we don't need you to stand there with a stick We've got a whole group of people and tools that have been invested to allow this phase to move forward. God gives them tools. God's going to give them this trophy to demonstrate what God has done. He will continue to do. It's no longer interdependent upon one person. It is sufficient with the multitude of God's work in people's lives, changing their identity Number two, we're going to see that Joshua, you ascend. You are going to have a position as a captain before you led the military, before you had different opportunities. But now you are going to ascend into a new position of leadership. You'll never be Moses. No one could be Moses. You're going to be Joshua. This is so great. You don't have to be Moses either. And you don't have to be the Apostle Peter. And you don't have to be the preacher that led you to Jesus. All you have to be is who God called you to be. Who has God called you to be? Then be that person for the glory of God. God doesn't need another Moses. He already did the Moses thing. He doesn't need another Gideon. He doesn't need another Joshua. You know why he put you here? Because it's your time to serve. It's your turn to work the kingdom of God for his glory. He doesn't need Samson to rise from the dead. He doesn't need Elijah to call down fire from heaven. What he needs is men and women in Las Vegas 2024 who say, this is my generation, this is my calling, and I will follow my God. You are part of the plan. Now, why did God use Joshua? There's three reasons God used Joshua. Because he was faithful. Joshua was faithful doing what God wanted him to do. What did he do? Well, he went up to a mountain with Moses one day. What did he do? He led armies on another day. He was faithful. He always told the truth. You cannot find the way, the truth, and the life through a tongue that is filled with deceit and lies. God wants us to be truthful. Are you honest? Are you honest with your spouse? Are you honest with your employer? Are you honest with your children? God desires for you to be an honest person. Do you speak truth or do you exaggerate? God desires for us to have full transparency. Joshua is used of God in his generation. He's faithful, he's truthful, and he's fruitful because when he touched something, it grew. God's not only going to use the Ark of the Covenant, he's not only going to ascend this captain as part of the plan, but he's going to give an awkward command. Look what the awkward command is in verse number 8. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when ye are come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, ye shall stand still... In Jordan. Now, this is awkward because when God was delivering them from the Red Sea, that deliverance would go through the great chasm and depth of the Red Sea as they walked through on dry ground. On this day, they are called to go into the Promised Land. There is a physical barrier prohibiting them from going into the Promised Land. It is called the Jordan River. Later on in this passage, we'll see that the Jordan River is flooded. The Jordan River, most historians would say at this time and at the place of their crossing, is about 100 feet wide. From that tree over there to that tree over there is about 100 feet. So think of the distance of this building. That's how far the river is. The river is between 3 and 10 feet tall. So the river, at some of its lowest points, is about the height of the back of your chair in front of you. So it's about three feet tall, and it will consume all the way up to about 10 feet. So where that ledge is, that's roughly 10 feet, okay? So here is a river, and the children of Israel are supposed to go and fight against Jericho and against Ai and against the Gibeonites, but before they can ever do any of that and take possession of the land, there is a physical barrier that is stopping them from going over, and it's a huge river the size of this auditorium. Now, we might be able to make a, uh, a line with, the, there's probably in this room about 350, 400 people in this room right now. We could probably take a, a line and, and body chain people across. That would be a huge undertaking just for the 350, 400 people that are in this room right now. Some of us have varying degrees of health, varying degrees of strength, and inability or ability. There's going to be children that have to go, and not only do we have to get them across the river this size with that type of depth, every single thing that we have owned for the last 40 years, we're going to take with us. All the wagons, all of the jewelry, all of the provisions, last night's leftover dinner, everything that we have, we have to take with us across. You ever travel with your wife and think she's brought everything but the kitchen sink? The Hebrews' wives brought the kitchen sink with them. Every place they went was across this entire chasm. And God has to bring them from this place to this place. There is no infrastructure bill pending in Congress to get a better road and bridge across the whole thing. It is all dependent on God. And this is how God says it's going to do it. Rather than having Joshua go up with a big baton and bring uh, a dry ground, what God does instead is he says, let's bring the priests. And then he says, I want one person out of every tribe. And they're going to represent the community of believers leading in God's work. Because in phase one, it's not a person, it's a people. In phase, uh, excuse me, in phase two, we are now part of the plan. And he gives this awkward command that the children of Israel will follow the priests and the Ark of the Covenant. And when they get to the Jordan River, there will not be Moses saying, ha! there will be a quiet, meek priest just taking a step in the river. What's God going to do? Well, he's going to do something pretty providential. Notice the providential passing. How does this all come to pass? Well, in verse number nine, and Joshua said unto the children of Israel, come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. I can't stop. I can't continue without just emphasizing that God uses his word. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, But this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. We do not follow tradition. We do not follow fables. We're not waiting for a denominational leader to give us a direction. We follow the Word of God. The Word of God gives us power. It is the Word of God that is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword piercing through the dividing under, of soul and spirit. The word of God is that which brings life. It is the word of God that is divided, that is inspired by all men of God. The Bible tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In Second Peter, the Bible says this, that knowing that no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved with the Holy Ghost. When you open this book, you have the power Power that spoke the world into existence, that said, let there be light. Boom, there's light. This is the most powerful thing in all of the universe. This is the power of God. You have the word of God. Do you open up this power daily? Do you and God get alone and allow its truths to energize you. There is power in the word of God. You need the word of God. And Joshua tells the command going forward starts and is predicated upon a relationship with the word of God. Number two, you're going to be eyewitnesses. Look at what verse number 10 says. And Joshua said, hereby shall you know that the living God is among you and that he will Without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergeshites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Mosquito Bites. All the different ites are going to be taken out from you. In verse number 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you unto Jordan. Now therefore, take ye twelve men of the tribes of Israel out of every man a tribe. It shall come to pass. That as soon as the souls of the feet of the priest shall bear the ark of the lord that the lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of jordan that the waters of jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above and they shall stand upon the water notice that interesting phrase look at that in verse number 13 when the souls of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the lord the lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. That's really interesting. At the Red Sea, God parted it like this. But God says at this juncture, when the priest put his, hand, his foot in there, God steps into the river. That's really interesting. Have you ever been in a, a hot tub and someone bigger than you gets in? And it kind of overflows you know what that feeling is you ever been in a place where you you drop too much ice in the drink and it starts to overflow when the children of israel put their feet in god says oh i'm in too and god gets into the river what happens to the water it starts hitting up against god And it starts to pile up upon itself. And it piled. I wonder how high it went, don't you? Did it go hundreds of feet high? Did did it go taller than the stratosphere? When God put his foot in, that water just started to bump up against God and said, yeah, well, whatever he says, we do. Because even the wind and the waves obeyed the Lord. So it, it bumps up against him. I was thinking what that would have looked like. If you've never been to Yosemite, you've got to visit. It's about an eight-hour drive from here. Beautiful place. This is Bridal vale Falls in Yosemite National Park. And I was thinking, what would it look like for, for the water to go? Here's Bridal vale Falls. This is what it looked like whenever the Lord put his foot inside of the water. It just cascaded backwards and upwards. Instead of being a waterfall, it was a water rise. And it's even awkward. How could that happen? How could that be? I don't know. God did it. And the water just mounted upon itself and mounted upon itself. And I love this. There's some 55-year-old guy who has a 15-year-old walked by and he saw the Red Sea parting. He's like, "God's doing it again." And it's the same thing, but it's different. God loves to show his power. God loves to show his might. And they are eyewitnesses, and it becomes an easy walk for them. They don't go through in muddy, soiled places, leaving their galoshes behind and their uh, cattle stuck in the ground. No, they go through on dry ground. The Bible says this. Look at verse number 16. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon and heaped very far from the city Adam And is beside Zaraton, and those that came down toward the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord stood firm on what kind of ground? Dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all of the Israelites passed over on what kind of ground? Dry ground until the people were passed clean over Jordan. It was like a desert where there was once moments before a raging river, God brings dry ground. And this is what's amazing. As they pass over that first hurdle on the horizon, they can see what their next hurdle is. Because in verse number 16, the Bible says that they passed over right against Jericho. In phase number two, it's not all hunky-dory, no problems. There's still battles to face. And once you get through this one, there's another one on the next sunset. The next horizon has a battle as well. But if God is faithful here, God will be faithful here. Are you ready to take phase two with your life? Are you ready to walk with God? Are you ready to take up his yoke and find out what his plan for your life is? Are you living with courage? Or are you living with comfortability? Are you ready with a passion for God to get clean and right with him and clean and right with others? Are you waiting to see where his next adventure is for you? are we sitting comfortable the children of israel see the miraculous hand of god they go into the promised land phase two has officially been inaugurated but on the horizon is jericho there's another battle that they have to face and before you become weary with this the lord reminds us that he tells us to come unto him all ye that are labor and are heavy laden and i will give you what rest take my yoke upon you jesus said this and learn of me Jesus's yoke's got to be a wonderful yoke Because there's only so much I can pull but jesus can pull a whole lot He puts his foot in the jordan river and it heaps up like a mound For my yoke is easy And my burden is light Are you clean with god? Are you courageous with god? Are you waiting for what the lord will do? or Are you satisfied in the comfortable stay nine of where you have presently been residing? It's time for phase two. And in this phase, God wants all of us to be involved. Where's that calling for you? Maybe it starts with a relationship with Jesus. If you were to die today, you don't even know for sure you'd go to heaven. And talking about knowing God's plan or adventure for your life is something foreign because you don't even know for sure you're going to heaven. The Bible truth is this, that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again to pay for your sins. The Bible tells us that he offers salvation as a free gift to anyone who will put their faith and trust in him. The scripture teaches that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never received what Jesus did for you on the cross through his death, his burial, and resurrection, you can start your walk with God today. I hope you will. It's an amazing adventure. And God calls us to live in his power. I hope you will. Father, thank you for your word and the truth that's in it. Use it for your glory and encourage us to live in a way that would honor you. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.